0: Hi, I'm Derek Mykrentz, author of The Reincarnationist Papers, which has been turned into the movie Infinite, starring Mark Wahlberg, and I want to thank you guys for having me as a guest on Dark Discussions podcast. It's been a lot of fun, and I've really enjoyed spending, uh, you know, w- uh, over an hour with you guys talking about my book, and I really appreciate you guys reading it. Thanks, everybody in the Dark Discussions world. Pick up a copy of The Reincarnationist Papers and read read it before you can see it in theaters. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Let's all go to the
1: lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.
0: Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat.
2: The sparkling drinks are just dandy, the chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get
3: ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.
4: Uh, Barrett, we just are about to interview someone for this next episode of Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Uh, but there is a, a thing, it's a book that's based or going to be made into a movie, and the movie was supposed to come out late early actually December of twenty twenty, but then it was gonna come out like in September or October of this year, but it got moved out. And what what, what happened in the episode and uh what we, are we I guess uh Kind of discuss here to, to clarify.
1: We are going to discuss the Reincarnationist Papers um, by D. Eric Mycranes. I, I'm not positive I'm saying that correctly, but um, he's the author of the book that has now been made into the movie Infinite with Mark Wahlberg.
4: Right, right. And so the movie has actually come out. During the interview with uh, Eric, uh, we discussed the movie a bit, and you know, his take and, and when it was going to come out. And obviously, uh, since the recording of the interview with Eric, uh, the m- movie date literally changed like a couple of days later and has been released now on Paramount Plus uh, directly for anybody who subscribes to that. So uh, to clarify, uh, when we discuss the movie in the interview, when we talk about that m- release date, Uh, Obviously, it has changed, and it is now available. All right, so I guess we can get into our podcast episode. Hello, welcome once again to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, one of the podcasts on the dark discussions news network i am one of your co-hosts philip from the state of new hampshire in the us of a and with me in the state of well actually the commonwealth of virginia hey this is barrett barrett how's it going my friend it's going well excellent excellent and uh folks who are curious this is may 5th 2021 that we're recording uh because the podcasts aren't necessarily released uh the very next day uh we do have a special guest tonight uh because we have a special topic um and uh why don't you introduce yourself to the world
0: hi everybody i'm eric mykranz from the state of colorado and I'm really pleased to be with you guys tonight and to talk to everybody in the Dark Discussions family.
4: Excellent, excellent. Now, now, uh, people are probably asking us right now, who is Eric and why is he on the podcast? Well, there, there's uh, something kind of cool. Uh, basically, uh, you have a brand new novel that actually uh, was released on the 4th of may so yesterday which is pretty fantastic um, and uh, even more fantastic is uh, the book is actually already a movie that's coming out late or q or I guess early q4 2021 starring mark Wahlberg uh, what is that book and uh, give us a, t- a little description of it I guess.
0: Yeah, so the book is uh, the Reincarnationist Papers, and it has been adapted into the Paramount movie uh, Infinite, starring Mark Wahlberg, that is out September twenty fourth. Uh, the book is about a young man who is haunted by memories of two past lives, and but but when I say haunted, I mean total recall skills languages, experiences, everything, and he thinks that he's alone in the world until he accidentally stumbles into a woman who is just like him, except she remembers back seven lives and has seven lives worth of experiences and skills in a modern 20-something-year-old body. And she really flips his world upside down by bringing him into a centuries-old secret society of others just like them that remember their past lives and reincarnate over and over again. And they've been associating with one another in this secret society and being sort of silent drivers to history over the centuries.
4: Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. And uh I like how you said silent, uh, because, uh, they even talk about it. Some of the characters, why they're not Kings and Queens and presidents and chancellors because of, uh, uh, some issues. And, you know, we, we can get into all that good stuff, uh, as we discuss, but, um, yeah, the, the book is, uh, if, if you get the, the hard co- copy, uh, it's about uh, 400 pages long, a little over. And then, um, it's also available uh, pretty much Kindle. Is it also on Nook as well?
0: Uh, it is Kindle and it is Nook. It was actually chosen. Uh, the Barnes & Noble folks have been really kind to me. Uh, it was actually picked as uh, a hand-picked uh, indie favorite in the fantasy category on, uh, on barnesandnoble.com for Nook. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. And it's also an audiobook. book. Um, and it's uh, about 13 hours and change on the audiobook. So it's a big, it's a big thick, big thick book.
4: Now, uh, when you say uh, indie, uh, for folks who don't know what that means, what, what do you mean, indie book?
0: So uh, indie, but yeah, it's, it's sort of a nebulous term. But um, what I understand it to mean is uh, not necessarily self-published, but certainly not published by any of the big five publishers or any of their imprints. And my publisher is a wonderful publisher out of Oregon called Blackstone. And they do a lot of audio books, and they've been getting into print books in a big way over the past couple of years. And uh, they love this story, and um, and and offered to uh, to take it to the world for me, and uh, and and the, and the feeling is mutual. I love them, and love working with them. Well, so, so, be... so so they're so they're an indie publisher. I
1: was going to say it's good to see more indie publishers getting into like Barnes and Noble because it's not something you would have seen a decade ago. Um, so it's good to see that they're getting in there and getting respect and getting books that are, you know, getting attention.
4: Yeah. That's one of the the toughest things. Uh, I, I, um, it's temporary on hiatus, but, uh, myself and another guy, um, uh, ran a company called Great Old Ones Publishing. And we, we released a number of really q- good quality books, uh, but it's very difficult to, to get them into the big stores. So that's pretty impressive. And that's why I was curious to, uh, that uh, you brought that up because um, usually you don't see indie uh, published books or or when we say indie again, we mean uh, publishers that aren't humongous um, actually get their stories uh picked up by by the movies that you know and, and yours was which is is pretty fantastic um but uh yeah why don't you, you comment on that well yeah
0: it's um it was actually picked up as a movie before uh it was picked up by blackstone um the book was originally self-published i actually self-published the novel in 2009 and uh i did i i, I used some Sort of interesting tactics from my day job. Uh, I work in IT, and uh, there are I borrowed a couple of plays for my day job to uh, try to get the book to a wider audience. And it was, um, I'll just jump in and tell the whole thing right now. <laughs> if that's all right. So um, you know, one of the things that, um, that 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 we do in IT is is we'll, we'll do a technique. Uh, so specifically in software development, called crowdsourcing. And crowdsourcing is where you uh, have sort of uh, you, you have a, a group of users or a group of customers, and you have a common goal that you want to take a software product, for example, and you uh, basically open it up to the customers to say, "Hey, give me your ideas, give me your requirements for how this product should work." or we give the, the the end users a basic structure for how to use the software and then give them a goal of what we want it to look like and then they go work on it or they get their ids together and they come back to us and so that's a way that we can work as a crowd uh but toward a single goal and you know two great examples of this are um you know one is is super geeky right is uh, linux operating system which is not it's not owned by Microsoft or Oracle or anybody else. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's written by developers, by geeky, uh, you know, kernel and operating system developers, uh, but to a common goal. And another one that's actually a little more tangible and relatable is Wikipedia, right? Wikipedia is a crowdsourced initiative where we all work on it. We all peer review and edit things. And so what I did is I borrowed the crowdsourcing idea for the self-published version of the book. I tried to get it published with, you know, by getting an agent and uh and I had an agent for a while and um and you know we we just we couldn't get it really placed. Uh and so I realized, well listen, I'm I'm willing to pay an agent to get this, you know, this book to a wider release. Why not just empower my readers to be my agents and so I married that idea with crowdsourcing and I just put a reward on the first page of the book that I would pay any reader who read the book an agent's commission if they would introduce the book to a Hollywood producer or a New York publisher who liked the book and would either give me a publishing contract or would make it into a movie. And guys this sounds like the zaniest message in a bottle marketing plan right up until it works. And it did work. Uh because um you know there's there's an older version of the book, I don't know if we're uh, doing any video here or not, but this is the this is the original version of the book and you can see if I get in really tight there it says promotional edition. And that's because it has a reward on the back and a reward on the first page and there was An assistant to a Hollywood director, and his name was Rafi. And he actually found a copy of this book in a hostel in Nepal, half a world away. And he read the book and loved it. And on Thanksgiving Day 2010, it was about a year and change after I'd self published the book, he emailed me and said, Hey, man, I just read this book, and this book is amazing. This book is so, such a movie. Has anybody claimed the reward yet? And I said, no. And he said, Eric, I'm going to get this made into a movie. And it took him several years. It took him four years to get the first movie option on the Reincarnationist Papers. And then that went to a a, a producer in Hollywood called Bellevue Productions. And they hired a screenwriter to write Infinite, the adaptation of it. And then three years later, those guys sold it to Paramount. Um, in 2017 and then it took Paramount two years to start shooting the movie that is Infinite starring Mark Wahlberg that'll be in theaters and look at my countdown calendar 141 days on September 24th so so you know this is where you know not just a writer but I you know I, I did take that you know i did use some of the the smarts that i got from oracle around marketing and around you know using a larger crowd to get your uh work done and it 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 worked one of the readers just became my champion and then once it became a movie it became easy to get an agent it became easier to get a publishing deal and here we are and so that's 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 the story of the original self-published version and how I used some of my silicon valley experience to sort of hack the system in a way in a way I feel like I kind of hacked hollywood to get in
4: yeah whatever you can do to do it, to get in that's for sure and that, that was a brilliant idea it yeah. if you know if you have a a few extra change why not do something like that uh because if if it works, it pays off for everybody, including yourself. Even you know, with the reward and, and yeah, paid off well, or not.
0: Yeah, and and well, and I structured it so that I didn't have to pay the reward until Paramount paid me. So you know, it's just like a, or it's like a proper agent's commission. Once the deal had closed and Paramount paid me to make the movie, then I paid Rafi the reward, um, and that was actually in December of twenty nineteen. Nice, yeah. It didn't uh, cost me any money to sort of, you know, empower a bunch of readers to become an army of agents, which, you know, that's the essence of crowdsourcing.
4: Yeah, indeed. Indeed. It's a brilliant idea. No doubt about it. Um, All right. So uh, let's see. uh, Barry, you got any questions about the book or or even even publishing or anything related to uh, what we're going to talk about tonight? Uh, My
1: first question is how much research did you put into the history? Because it seems really well um researched
0: yeah it's thank you barrett um i put in a lot because uh there are uh you know there are you know three or four chapters in there that are just pure historical flashback chapters and this is one of the things that that you know i have the luxury of doing when i'm talking about characters that reincarnate and their, their consciousness basically survives lifetime after lifetime. So they can be different characters in different times and can, I can use, you know, I can look back in history to pick out places to uh, insert those characters, to do character and and storyline development. Now, one of the things that I hate when I read, and I read a lot, is when the when, when the research is done poorly and when you can sort of see how they've missed something and I just didn't want to be that author um, so I went back and I did a ton of research on on each one of these historical flashbacks and I just try to make them as real as possible and in a way I try to honor the history that I'm utilizing to tell the story but yeah for each one of those historical flashback chapters easily two or three books worth research. And, um, you know, this is, you know, when I, when I finished the, 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 that draft in 2008, that was 13 years ago. So, I mean, the internet was around, but it wasn't as robust as it is today. So it was a lot of, you know, a lot of work at the library uh, to get that done. And, and I hope that it shows in some of the footnotes that are in the book, because that actually uh, directs to some of the some of the things if, if readers wanted to go deeper in a certain in a, in a specific historical area.
1: I have an add on question to that. Sorry. Yeah. So. Um, so in your process, how did that work? Did you have an idea of where you wanted it to be in history or and you wrote something like just drafty and then you went and did all this research and kind of fit it in?
0: Uh, yes, I, I had sort of a basic idea on where I wanted to place those characters, and then, uh, like, I, I think that, I don't think there's going to be that big of a spoiler. One of them is um, in in the in the American Southwest in the 16th century with uh, with Spanish conquistadors, and uh, so I really knew that I wanted to set something in that time period. Um, and then, and then I just went back and I researched, you know, what, what little historical nuggets I could latch onto and ended up with Coronado, um, and the expedition into what is now, um, you know, Northern New Mexico and, and Arizona. So, so yeah, so I, uh, yeah, so, so I would, I would sort of roughly know where I wanted to be. And then I would usually tease out like a really solid nugget that I wanted to, uh, that I wanted to place those characters in.
4: Now, um, you mentioned, uh, um, or I should say your, your um, uh, stuff that uh, Ellen, uh, the person that got us in contact with you, uh, she, she sent some stuff uh, that said that you, uh, you know, uh, have traveled and, and whatnot. and, and Venice and so forth and uh, one of the characters um, is a a person that works uh, in a specific art and uh, they're able to carry that over generation to generation uh, because of their reincarnation and they remember the skill set and and one of the companies that that, uh, he she works uh, for because uh, again um, uh, their genders can change with each reincarnation, which is a really interesting. Never mind their race, ethnicity, and so forth, and right. religion, and all this other good stuff. Um, but um, you met uh, Saint Gobain, which is a, a I think that's how you pronounce it, which is a French company, and there's actually a a couple of uh, their plants or, or buildings, if you prefer, uh, right around the area that I live. Um, so I, I was curious, um, was it specifically you chose that company and that artwork? Uh, or talent i should say specifically because you've done the traveling and kn- already knew that research because you already you didn't even have to probably research that as hard because you you were in italy and you knew a lot about venice in the first place
0: um so yeah there there's there's actually a lot to that question maybe maybe more than <laughs> you, you realized but it's a yeah, good problem. one right and it'll take a couple of minutes to unpack this um so, so yeah, so, so I, I lived in, you know, I, I'm calling you from Colorado right now, but I, I, I've lived here on and off for 30 something years, uh, but I did live in Europe for two years, and I lived in Rome, and I, uh, and, uh, I wrote a, a guidebook about Rome and a guidebook about Venice. So when you're writing about Venice, right, uh, you know, they had really a monopoly around uh, crafted and blown glass, you know, they were sort of the, the innovators of blown glass. Uh, up until you know for 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 several centuries, and they actually, but that was that was on the nearby island of Murano, which is just north of, of Venice proper. Now, I actually stumbled into Saint Gobain. As a part of the research, and this sort of gets back to barrett 's question, which is you know did did I reverse engineer this from Saint Gobain, or did I just pick something in general and then and then it sort of went in a natural direction, and it 's the latter right I knew that I wanted to make uh, that character a glass craftsman uh, craftswoman actually um, and, and so I knew that I would have to place that character in Murano. But then, when uh, then w- then when I place that character in another history, in in the next life, in France, as a glass innovator that worked on the Palace of Versailles in the Hall of Mirrors, the interesting thing is that that character that I picked, that real ca- that was a real person, um, Louis Lucas de Nahu, that person actually went on to go found Saint Gobain. And so it was sort of just this serendipitous thing that I was able to to sort of tie that off to, like, real history. And the only way that I'd known St. Gobain before was riding in cars in Europe where, you know, here the glass is made by Delco or some other company. There, all, almost all of the auto glass is made by Gobain. And I didn't really know about Gobain until until I started researching the book. And then there's a giant coffee table book in the next room that I that is part of the research that Baird asked about. And part of it is how that person basically started the glassworks that became Gobain, this giant multinational that even has facilities in New Hampshire. Yeah, they yeah, do. We're, we're so, so like I said, yeah. long answer. and There was a lot in there. But, but you know, yeah, I didn't start off with Gobain, but I landed there in a very organic and sort of cool way.
4: Yeah, indeed. indeed. And that's the thing we were talking about, how I mentioned uh, different uh, races, ethnicities, uh, genders, and so on. And and if you're from your know, next life, you're in a country like France versus Italy, where would you work? You would work at St. Gobain. So it, it, it's kind of interesting how, how it all you know, traveled that path to to things that just naturally fit into your book. Um, Barrett, what do you got? Oh, well, first I want to say the glass blowing was one of my favorite parts of the, the
1: story. I just really was enraptured by that. I mean, I was looking stuff up about it because <laughs> it was just so interesting. Um, so I'm curious, how f- did you find yourself having to do like these full genealogies for your characters? like? Okay, they lived from this long to this long, then this long to this long, and so you knew exact. because some of them are pretty old, so you would have had to go back really far to be able to tell part of their history. I'm just curious how much work that was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it, it was work, but it was, it's working in two different ways, and one of which you might realize, and the other is is not so obvious. I mean, number one is when you're going to say that a character like the woman who discovers Evan, and this is probably, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, anything more than you would read on the back of the book cover or on the description on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Uh, the woman who discovers Evan and and knows what he is, she's had seven lives worth of experience. So she's lived seven t- times before. This is her eighth life where she's been a woman. She's, she's been a man. She's lived in France. She's lived in Italy. She's lived in the American Southwest. And what you have to do is you have to sort of reverse engineer that to say, oh, okay, average lifespan, you know, today, what, 70 something, but average lifespan in the 1700s was like 35, 40. So, so you, you know, when you create that character's genealogy and the different lives that they have, you've got to do all of the math and you've got to reverse engineer it. Because to Philip's point, right, these characters live consecutive lives. So when when they die in 1910, they're going to be born in either 1910 or 1911. Um, So their consciousness survives and is transported into a new body, hence reincarnation. Uh, But you've got to go reverse engineer that to make sure you get the math right. But then where you have a character that was a real character in history, like the person that founded Gobain, you've got to get that one right. Right, or, or you know, somebody that was really on Coronado's expedition—you've got to get that date right, and then reverse and then engineer around that. Right, true. Um, so, so yeah, it is—it's—it's—it's—it it's, uh, it was harder than it looked like.
1: <laughs> no, I can imagine because just writing a regular story, not even taking all that into account, is tough. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed,
4: no doubt. Um, now, uh, I have a question for you about uh, the characters' mores Moore, and ethics and whatnot. Uh, basically, um, <laughs> since they are at least mentally, uh, I guess, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Someone that can't die. What was that called? Immortal. Immortal. Thank you. I can't believe I forgot. Yeah, yeah. You. From a consciousness yeah.
0: point of view, they're 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 immortal.
4: So, b- being consciously immortal, uh, they a number of the characters that Evan meets, since he's new to um, figuring out that he's been reincarnated um, only a handful of times versus the people he meets, uh, we, we find out that the people that he meets have different morals and ethics than the rest of the world. And um, my question was, were you developing those characters that way intentionally, or were you developing them as in um, I guess? Uh, uh, well, let me rephrase let the question. If they're more, if if they keep on living over and over, and they don't have any consequences, they stop beginning to believe that they can do things like they can murder, they can uh, do all these ter- terrible things if they want to. In some cases, we see. Duels in the past and and uh they talk about actions they 've done or they don't care about, and as a result, I was curious what 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 were you were you, how did you write that were, were you writing it as if this is how people probably would become if they lived multiple lives and there was never consequences and it, versus empathy for, for people. So they, some of them kind of looked sociopathic and I was just curious your thoughts on, on how you wrote that.
0: Yeah. The, so there's, wow, there's a lot in that question too. Um, but, but, you know, right. this is, but I love this because this, this gets to to part of the spirit and part of the message of the book um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewind this question all the way to the beginning when I started writing because you actually did ask that as part of the question. And I think this gets to the, you know, there, there's two different uh, sort of analogies or metaphors for this, right? Whether as a writer, you're a plotter or a pantser, or to use uh, George R.R. R. Martin's, uh, you know, analogy, there are architects and there are gardeners, right? Uh, you know, people who understand and plot out the whole book. And and I plotted out big parts of the storyline, but what I didn't know until I, I, I really got into writing the book was what this existence would be like if you really didn't have any consequences for amorality or immorality and there were no benefits for morality. So, let me let me stop there and unpack that because that's actually like a big deal um and and, and we probably have to give the listeners a bit more a, a bit more assistance here the, the 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 characters in the reincarnations papers they reincarnate over and over and over again and in a way it's It's like a treadmill that they can't get off of from a consciousness point of view and in some ways it becomes sort of a groundhog day problem right where geez what's you know what's what's the meaning of all of this what's the exit plan here and what if there isn't one uh that was sort of the question that kept popping into my head and then the next question that popped into my head well if there isn't an exit and you just keep coming back over and over again and once you've led six or eight or 12 lives and you've been really virtuous in one life and you just come back and your station is not improved in any way uh, in, in in sort of like an Eastern, uh, you know, karmic version of reincarnation. And if you did something really bad in your previous life and there were really no consequences when you come back again, how would you choose to live your life? would you be a virtuous person just to be a virtuous person or would you be a selfish person because you knew that you could get away with it with no consequences and in a way that actually speaks to power because a lot of people you know enjoy power in this life and they can do some things with impunity Um, And can get away with it with no consequence. And if there's no consequence, what's the deterrent from them doing that again. So so in a way, right. So so that's where sort of this, this sort of cyclical existence with no real limited physical danger and no danger to your overall surviving consciousness kind of took me and it kind of wanders into some dark alleys at some points along the book.
4: Yeah, because I, I was thinking that because it's like, do you become nihilistic, pessimistic, cynical, or a hedonistic, or something other form of, of nihilistic behavior, or would you want to use that power to better the life of, of people? And I guess even these folk, the the, the people that are reincarnated. Are just like everybody else where you have some that are good and some that are indifferent and some that are users and some that aren't. And so um, a power doesn't necessarily make one more apt to go villainous or go uh, glorious and good. The, they could still just be you know, random as we see in, in everyday life of people you meet every day. So it, it is kind of interesting Yeah. For that whole background. Say you went through eight
1: lifetimes of hedonism, would you then revert back to something else. I mean, there's so many possibilities of how you could change from, from this.
0: Uh, yeah, there are. And, and, and <laughs> Philip, yeah, you, you stumbled right into one of the things that, the people that I've met on my journey through Hollywood so far really liked about the book is that it really presents sort of a lens to magnify those things that are inherent in most of us, which is, you know, altruism, nihilism, hedonism, um, you, know, uh, you know, becoming a, a, a religious zealot. and And it really just, you know, in a way, like the longer timeline that you add to like those variations of human behavior just basically sort of allows you to take the character development up to 11, uh, to borrow the spinal tap analogy, right? Uh, and, and this is one of the things that uh, certainly um, uh, a couple of people that I've met along the way in Hollywood really liked about the book and, and tried to preserve and really bake into the screenplay is, you know, that there are people who, you know, really just focus on, do, on on helping humanity. And there are others that are just interested in what they can do for themselves or what pleasures they can have for themselves. And so it really uh, gives us a chance to explore a lot of human behavior.
4: Indeed.
1: All right, what do you got? So, do you have a story, or where did the idea for this story come
0: from? So, uh, I do. Um, it's actually. I had a feeling. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, it, it's actually three areas that kind of came together. I mean, number one, right, you know, we've, you know, uh, we, we, as we get older, we all sort of, and you know, we, we, we sort of ask ourselves over and over again, oh, man, if I only knew then what I know now, I would have done X or Y or Z, or I would have made better choices. And then, uh, you know, so we've all thought that. And then I took that idea to its extreme. And I said, well, yeah, everybody thinks about what they would do as it's a 20-year-old with the knowledge they have as a 30 or a 40 or a 50-year-old. But what, what would happen if you had a 20-year-old that had the knowledge of a 250-year-old, right? How would they act? And that seemed like r- a really interesting set of characters to write about, um, and, and I, I hope that, that, that they are. Um, and then number two is uh, I actually have three memories that don't belong to me. And they predate me, they're very short, uh, you know, they, they, I think they're from sort of like the late 19th century. Uh, they're about you know anywhere from five to 30 seconds each, and you know they're you know if, if, if I'm going to use an IT analogy with you guys, they're they're like they're like a file that doesn't have a, a, an index or a directory that it maps to, right? It's there, you have to deal with it, but it just doesn't fit in any structure that you have in your in your own life. And so I took that idea and I said, well, what would it be like if you remembered everything, like every single thing, every skill, every language, every love, every loss? And then what would that be like for those characters? And that really helped me sort of get the idea of the characters down. And then it's really easy to think about being different people in different bodies in different Reincarnations, but there's actually a lesson for all of us in our, you know, single mortal lives today. And that is we all end up being different people in different parts of our lives, in different times of our lives. We're children, we're students, we're workers, we're parents, we're grandparents, hopefully, we're retirees. And, you know, we actually end up equipping our later selves for success or failure. Uh, there's actually a quote that I keep on my desk. I'm going to look down and read it right now. It's from a it's from a, a, a 19th century American spiritualist from your neck of the woods, Philip, um, a guy that uh, that that hung out with uh, with with Thoreau and that crowd, the transcendentalists. His name was uh, Frederick Henry Hedge, and he has this quote that I really love. Every man is his own ancestor, and every man his own heir. He devises his own future and he inherits his own past. Now, that's really easy to do with reincarnation and people paying skills forward, right? The person who learns glass blowing in Murano is able to use that in France later on and is able to use that in Los Angeles even after that. But you know the 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 things that 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 I learned in high school and university actually equipped me to be a computer scientist and to be an author, right? So in a way, I'm inheriting that past, that past Eric right from the 1990s, uh, in the 1980s, and and so I think that's actually sort of a unique. Uh, thing that I injected in as well that's why I made sure that their skills accrue and that their positions either advance or degrade and and they do both in this right there are people who just you know uh, you know they live over and over and they they don't seem to really go anywhere or advance and I think we all you know know people like that we know people who who really advance and really build on what they did in earlier parts of their lives so we're kind of a complicated answer but that's the three things that I sort of tethered this around Barry.
1: Well, yeah, and you can see people that hold grudges, too, in your storyline. And that, I mean, it's a big part of the story, so I won't go into it any further than that. But, right. um, yeah, you see you see that in them, and it's yeah, interesting.
4: I, I, wanted, I wanted to uh, add my question, actually, is directly related to your answer, uh, Eric. Um, uh, basically, there's one character named Clovis, and he's one of those folks that has lived on, uh, forever, uh, probably, I think, the longest. And... And he's seen things more so in first person than anybody else in existence. If if we look at his consciousness rather than his actual physical being, and so he's seen uh, the Black Plague. He's seen whether it's Kublai Khan or Napoleon or Stalin or Hitler or on and on. So he's seen the worst of the worst. And he sees that nothing has changed. In other, in other words, pe- people say, "Oh, well, eventually, you know, everything will be good." But if you, it never is because you know you can go back a thousand years, and, and there's always some dictator or some soci- sociopath or some crazed nut or some disease or some terrible uh environmental thing that happens. And he, now, in 2021, Clovis seems to have given up and, or come to the. The conclusion that his individual existence could be better because he is, you know, incrementing wealth and he's knows things that other people in the world just don't, so he has a, a step advantage over everybody else. But he's mentally beaten down, uh, and maybe in, uh, intentionally and purposely is thinking that and saying that because he says there is no hope with the whole world. But in my what I'm going to do is make my little world in this small remote village and just live my life the way I want without the greater uh, noise that we have with media and with governments and with religion and on and on. So um, and, and then our lead character at first seems like he may go that route, but then maybe he changes his mind and and the quote unquote world and the money and all that is too big for him to uh, give up. Um, And I wanted to know, were you trying to make a mirror image between the two characters and also were you trying to show that a specific character that we don't really see in the real world much actually see the world for what it really possibly is?
0: Wow, you you guys have a real knack for asking these <laughs> complicated questions, but it's 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 I love it because uh, it it really teases at a lot of the of the layers that I try to add into the book, and I really appreciate that you guys have found that. So so what you know the way that I describe Clovis as uh, I describe him as a threadbare soul. You know he's he's just gone through this so much that he's uh, you know he's he's beaten down, uh, he's beaten up, he's sort of retired from the world into this really quiet corner uh, of, of of the world. And we and by the way we actually learn a lot more about Clovis and how he uh, became broken. Uh, in this way, in the second book, which uh, I finished and should be out sometime, probably twenty twenty two time frame.
1: Oh, you answered one of my
2: questions.
0: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in it's in draft seven right now, um, uh, and uh, it'll probably end up going through about fifteen drafts before it even goes to the publishers. Um, but 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 basically, uh, I wanted those two characters to represent. Sort of the, the 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 peacefulness, but also sort of melancholic resignation that, sends, that tends to happen to people in old age, right? Where you know they don't necessarily have the drive, they don't necessarily have the ambition, uh, they just sort of want to. Retire away from a lot of that noise and live uh, a little more peaceful, a little more meaningful life. You know, it's sort of a cliche, right? Be the change that you'd like to see, but do it locally. That's certainly Clovis. And then Evan, uh, the main character, really still has that pot ambition uh, that that is really, uh, you know, that that young people tend to have, where they really just want to go whip and take on the world. And uh, and you know, Clovis those his days are behind. But I get into that more in the second book, as to why.
4: Right, and and it is interesting too because you could again we don't know enough about Clovis at least in this novel. So the first book, so we we don't know if he was the hedonist and and whatnot, like some other characters that are in the book. And he's just given up, and now he's the prodigal son coming back to, um, you know, a quiet life, or he was always the quote-unquote good guy, and he just um, was trying to change the world, and, and he just can't do it, and he just gives up. So it'll be curious to see where that character goes in, in book two, for sure. Yeah, I um, kind of saw them, like,
1: as Evan as the child and him as the adult. And, that, you yeah. know, this is what you could become.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, you know, and kids never obey their parents. So, right. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: true. <laughs> they have to yeah. learn their lessons on their own.
4: Yeah, you have exactly to go Barrett. off and party and screw up and then come back and go, man, I screwed up. Exactly, Barrett. <laughs> right, Barrett, what do you got? So
1: I know a lot of times when when movies are or when books are sold for a script, you don't get much control. You don't get anything. Like how much of a part of it were you able to be? Were you able to get on the set at all? Were you able to do anything?
4: Like, right. and, like and and to just add to Barrett's question, um, if if you look at the wikipedia or imdb um i we noticed that some character major characters like samus and poppy and clovis aren't listed in the cast credits and so we're curious um if they they took a a, um changed a lot of the the book to the movie similar to what is saying control and such
0: yeah so Um, I did not get any input into well I'll put it this way I had very little input into the script that uh, that 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 view and Ian Shore wrote, uh, which is Infinite. Uh, you know, he and I talked at the very beginning around, uh, as well, I talked with Rafi around where the book franchise was going and, you know, and, and the overall arc, uh, except for the end. I've only shared the end with with one person um, uh, on, how the, on how the book series ends. Um, uh, I did get to go on set Um, which was a lot of fun. I'll talk about that maybe at the end here. And, uh, but back to Philip's question. Um, I saw an early draft of Ian's, um, Ian Shore's script, Infinite, his adaptation of the reincarnation papers. And, uh, you know, they, they keep Evan, but they uh, he wanted some uh, some different characters that share a lot of the same traits of nihilism, hedonism, uh, you know, the threadbare soul. He actually added in a couple of other characters that are really interesting. And, and, and I can, you know, do I wish that he had kept all the characters? Yeah, in some way, yes. But, you know, movies are different than books. Oh, yeah. And they have to tell stories differently than books do. And you have to respect that it's a different art form that has its own needs and uh and you know and, and you know uh you know, Ian has his, has his own interpretation of the story which is a good one and uh it really fits the medium of the big screen. Um so so yeah I'm I'm I'm, I'm really happy about how this is going to turn out. Um, and, and, uh, and I can't wait to see it cause I actually haven't seen the movie yet, but I did, uh, because of COVID and restrictions like that, but I did actually get to go on set and it was mostly shot in the UK, huh. um, uh, right outside of London. And then, uh, I, I went for two days with my wife and we went to, uh, a, a location where they were shooting about 60 kilometers uh, 70 kilometers northwest of London uh, in a little village. And there's an old Rothschild family mansion. Uh, up on a hill and um, it's been actually kind of gutted and they use it largely for um, shooting movies. And, and so I got to see one of the location shoots there and met Mark Wahlberg. I met Antoine Fuqua, who's the director. Uh, I met a couple of the people. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just love his work uh, all the way back to training day, but even like the equalizer movies are so good. And, and I just, You know, it's the Equalizer 1, it's like one of those movies that like whenever it's on, okay, well, whatever I'm doing is on hold because this is what I'm doing for the next two hours, (laughs) right? Because I just love, I mean, obviously he and Denzel have a, a tremendous relationship. But the way that he, the way that he directs, I mean, he directs action movies. Uh, Even if you include like the boxing movies and the, you know, shooter and things like that and Southpaw, but he, he spends so much time in character development that it makes you really care about what happens to these characters in a kinetic environment, like an action movie. Um, I got to meet a couple of the big producers on it as well. And they were super nice. And it was just so amazing to see the movie being shot and to see all of these people working on An idea that came out of your head in a book that you wrote 10 years ago.
4: Nice. Yeah. And for folks who are curious, 60 kilometers is about 35 miles. Yeah. (laughs) Because I have to convert that with the uh, web browser thing because I have no idea what a kilometer is. I'm American. Anyway, um, I have a a question uh, about the lead character, uh, Evan. And uh, um, basically, for a book like this, you could have made the lead character anybody you could have uh, and and it would have been interesting no matter who the character was so if, let's say he was a uh a born again christian or a baptist and or, or, or a very religious muslim or, or or something like that and then he finds out that he's a reincarnationist or uh it could have just uh, been you know it was a uh, anybody in this case, you made him a py- uh, a pyrotechnic and i don 't think that 's spoiled because we we learned that right uh, basically on the first page meaning he 's a criminal and it was curious that you would, you chose a criminal who d- who d- finds out that he is a reincarnationist first off versus say any of these other options you could have had because you know it could have been someone that was very very good or a good person, and then they find out and their whole lives are shattered so you could have had something in in their uh, mental makeup and how their world has changed and all crazy and then also how the 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 group that accepts him are willing to accept him because i was curious also if uh, they find out that a sociopath or a criminal is the next person to join their group would they really want that type of person, or were they indiscriminate and it doesn't matter, Um, and and so I I was curious why you decided to make him a criminal and why he, he was even given a chance to join their group knowing that he could be a liability possibly.
0: Yeah, uh man, again, geez, with these questions. These are such great questions, guys. Um so this 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 is actually we're gonna require a two-part answer as well. So number one, uh, fire plays an important role in the book. Which is why there are, you know, flames on the cover of the book. Uh, you know, fire is actually sort of a character in a way, and and for Evan, it's a way for him to have sort of this touchstone or this thing that he can identify with that transcends two of the lives, two of the three lives that he's had, uh, because they they impact those lives in a very important way. So. When Before he runs into any of the other reincarnationist characters, he thinks that he's alone. He thinks that he's the only one in the world that has this condition, and so for him, communing with fire as 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 a as, as an arsonist or a pyromaniac is is a way for him to sort of validate that he's not crazy that when he's there with the fire in the building that he's going to be burning down for money. That he sees that fire that he's summoning that is that relates back to the experience they had in a previous lifetime to sort of make sure that that's real. Hey, I'm not, I'm not crazy. I didn't imagine this, right? This feels the same way. This acts the same way. This is something that recognizes me in, in this life. And as as the way that it recognized me in the previous life. So in a way, that's why I made him a criminal, because I had to have some element that transcended that he could identify with in both lives. And then later on, when uh, Poppy brings him in, um, there are other characters in there who are a bit scratched and dented in in their own ways right and part of that is because this existence where your consciousness survives many physical bodies and you actually remember back in time centuries worth of experiences and memories and 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 skills is a very different existence and And the people the reincarnationists who form the secret society and bring Evan in uh they're actually pretty lenient as far as what that kind of existence does to the transcending personality over time because there are hedonists, there are nihilists, there are zealots right um and they don't really uh they don't really discriminate that much as to how you got there.
4: That's
0: just right. Barrett, what do you got?
1: So they don't have many new entrants, it sounds like, very often, right? Yeah. So he seems to almost become a pawn immediately between two or more of the members. Now, would that be a common thing with these people? Or is this like a. Has this happened before between them with other people in the group? Or that's that's what i'm curious
0: about will so, we find that
1: out later in your new novel or um well it
0: it, it takes a bit of a, of a of a it takes another step in book two and then it takes a radical step in book three um but but basically there are 28 of these reincarnationists who have found each other and come back and, and when they first started this society based in zurich switzerland uh, it became a way for them to associate with one another, and and you know, uh, in lifetime after lifetime. Because let's just say, Philip, that. You and I are friends in France in the 1700s and I'm a man and you're a woman and we become friends, but we know we're going to come back and you die. And then I die 10 years later and we both come back in new bodies and we begin to remember who we are as we hit our late teens. We remember all of the previous lives, but I'm born in Spain this time and you're born in Scotland. How would we associate with one another again, right? We would come back when we remember back to the secret society. And I could be like, Philip, oh my God, it's Eric, right? We'd be in totally different bodies again, but we would be able to remember what we've done in that time and still share that same experience going back through time. Now there are only 28 of them. Evan's the 29th one, because they tend to be very secretive about what they are and who they are because they've had some bad experiences in the past with not being accepted and understood by humanity at large. And so they tend to be very reclusive and they don't tend to find other people like this very often. And they're not actively looking. So when Poppy finds Evan and they share a couple of experiences that clues her into, oh, he's actually remembers more than just the life of a 22 year old um she actually brings him in and yeah he does become sort of a pawn of a couple of them uh but so do some of the other characters when we introduce them and they're brought in centuries ago as well which starts some of the grudges and things like that um i didn't necessarily have it be like a hazing ceremony where they have to be the pawn that has to do some dirty work um uh, But uh, I didn't think
1: that at all. Yeah, I didn't think that at all.
0: (laughs) No, but, you know, it ends up being, you know, where, where, you know, people will, you know, did they take advantage of him? Did they or did they offer him sort of some shortcuts that he took, um, you know, maybe to his own benefit, maybe to his own detriment? Uh, But I definitely wanted to show a sensualist, a hedonist, uh, a nihilist um and 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 have evan interact with uh different characters in different reincarnationists in the society and then you know and, and show these you know, sort of the different facets of what wh- where human nature could go on a longer timeline nice
4: yeah um now i, I had a question that was related to um the reincarnation itself uh for example uh obviously the main character and a number of characters that he meets meets even if they've been born in many different um uh races and 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 countries and whatnot uh evan i guess is looking is a gentile and looking or a judeo-christian and looking at the world that way while if and, and most of the people in, in the, the the group Uh, seem to look at it that way too. But for example, if if he met a Hindu, Hindus would say, oh, that's no big deal. Everybody gets reincarnated every every life. The only difference between these people and a Hindu, if if I'm playing myself as a Hindu, is that they, for some reason, can remember their prior life, while us, 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 Hindus, Don't remember our prior life. We just know where we are based off of our status when we were born. So I was curious if if you if you purposely wrote it, I guess in the Judeo-Christian and 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 you you are all the Abraham religions because you mentioned uh, Muslims as well in in the book um, and their outlook in life, and therefore if we're not having consequences and we're keep on coming back and the and life is meaningless and, and, and whatnot, meaningless in the sense that you know humans are still can be terrible people now as they were a thousand years ago. But if if a Hindu if this happened to they would, would they look at this completely different. Meaning if a if a Hindu came back and they were from a prior life and they remember that Hindu life and they joined this, this group, the constant, uh, how do I got it? Cognomino. Cognomino. Thank you. Um, would they say you, all you people are, are, are terrible because you don't think there's a God or, you know, but there is, we're just being reincarnated as my religion states. And I was curious if you were looking at it ever at that way, when, when you were writing it again, again, you know, maybe you didn't, research hinduism i, I mean I, I know very little about it as i'm you know except uh me and barrett work with a lot of them but uh, <laughs> otherwise we, we don't we don't know too much about the religion but i was curious uh, if you could answer something related to that
0: yeah so um the answer is i thought about this um uh, but i wanted to i wanted to treat reincarnation as uh, I wanted to divorce it from all of the religious religious aspects of it, to just have it be, uh, to just imagine what would it be like if you reincarnated over and over and you accrued those experiences in a diverse series of bodies, different sexes, different races, etc. cetera. And then what would that mean, whether you were a Christian, uh, a Jew, a Muslim, or or a Hindu, um, or a Buddhist, um, is that if you remembered all of that, and you knew, because you had been reincarnated over and over again, and you had enough experience in different bodies, again, where if you lead a virtuous and pious and altruistic life, maybe even over and over again and your station does not improve and you see your counterpart in the secret society that is a sensualist or a hedonist and they're very selfish and they have very selfish goals and they end up hurting others over and over lifetime after lifetime and and their station doesn't decrease. I, I really wanted to sort of land on the square of for them, it would sort of be like, Uh, Sort of like, and I'm going to use this analogy twice, sort of this Groundhog Day moment where religion, any religion, sort of reaches a point of obsolescence because it doesn't map to the experiences that you've had. Now, for the Hindu that believes in reincarnation, he can believe in it because he does not remember any of his past lives right? Which is why the Christian doesn't believe in it either, because he doesn't remember any of his past lives. But if you do, and you have that longer timeline, then you start to see the cracks in all religion. And and hence, I really wanted to sort of have these characters think about existence sort of outside of the lines of dogma and religion, and what would that mean for them?
4: Interesting, yeah.
0: Uh, Barrett, what do you got?
1: So at one point in the book, you you detail why the Cognomenia came about. Um, Basically, there was someone that wanted to take over. And I'm assuming that person's still out there kicking around, just not part of the organization anymore. And I actually thought that's the direction you were going to go in. Instead, you went towards a heist, which was pretty cool. I'm assuming in book two, we're going to get some more of this anti-organization.
0: Yes, there was one uh person in the cognomena who uh, you know, we talked about nihilist, sensualist, hedonist. Uh this was someone who was uh very uh, sort of megalomaniacal in nature and really believed that their existence was purposeful, uh, and purposeful meanings for the of leadership position. And um Eventually, there formed a schism, and that person was uh, excommunicated. And you're right. Essentially, that person is still out there reincarnating and has been alive for centuries since that schism happened. And we find out a little more about that other side or maybe even a second family uh, in the second book, Baron.
4: Great. Interesting. Um, now, th- there's a, a scene in the book uh where uh the cognitive they what they do is they uh, when they find someone and they decide they're worthy enough to join the incognita, um they then have a uh not a ceremony but like a judgment and determine whether or not to accept you and in this case uh four out of five i think it was uh said yes and one did it and we never find out who voted no for one of the characters to uh, join the the card nomina. Um, and I was curious, it's a two-part question. One is, who would have that been? and <laughs> And two, why would they even have a judgment? Because even if they determine that they don't want you, they possibly will, I guess, kill you. But you're still gonna come back in another life anyway and they're gonna to have to deal with it over and over for eternity. So the judgment seemed like is that only like a temporary thing to prevent people from joining or you know, just to, to delay a problem, quote unquote problem child, or is is it a uh the 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 group, the cognomener are just uh tricking themselves or, or trying to make themselves think that they can prevent a problem from actually happening.
0: Right. So um, the mechanics of it, the way that it works is that, you know, so, so let's just say that you guys are reincarnationists. many centuries worth of lives. You've known each other lifetime after lifetime. So when Barrett comes back, he could be, Hey, Philip, remember me, you know, Barrett reaches, you know, that sort of 17, 18 years old and begins to remember all of these past lives and then realizes, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not Jack. I'm actually Barrett from, from all of these different lives from before. And then he comes back to the secret society and he could basically pass the, the entrance exam by basically talking about a prank that he played on you four centuries ago that only you two would know about. And he would, and then you would say, yeah, God dang it. That's that crazy knucklehead bear that did that thing with the chariot that time. Right. And, and uh, you know, tied the helmets behind the chariot or something like that. So as they, as they have more and more time with each other, it actually becomes easier to verify that one of the 28 personalities that they know is sort of like, in known inventory but may not be back in a normal body because they might have died you know 15 or 12 or 18 years ago they would know to expect that person back and so the trial which we call ascension trials in the book series become easier but they're actually harder for the first time when somebody comes in new because nobody knows them and so what they have to do is they have to Ask that person a lot of questions that are very detail oriented, where they could go back and research those facts from a person's previous life or two previous lives ago to see, you know, to see exact detail. Now, I do hint about this in the book that in the old days, what they would do is somebody who wanted to join would be killed. And they would have to come back and identify which one of the five judges had actually killed them. And then that would be the way that they would say, oh, yeah, well, yeah, you're the bear we killed last time. And you know that I'm the <laughs> one that has blood on my hands, right? Very, you know, very effective, very brutal way to do it. But, um, yeah, they, they now that, you know, in, in an Internet age, they can actually go back and do a lot of the research and, and not have to kill people. And and, and and but but I think think about this from my point of view, right? You've got to, you've got to build this whole world where you know where you can do these things, and then think about it in different timelines. It was uh, it was a lot of fun uh, and, and and challenging in some ways.
4: And I'm assuming that maybe one of the other books will will tell us who the person was that said no and and why. Maybe I don't
0: know. Uh, yeah we yeah that's that's for later. That's sort of an okay. Easter egg that you find out later on. Sure, sure, well, and it seems like this could be a political process too, like
1: if somebody's bringing someone in, somebody else might wanna affect their power somehow, and so they're gonna say no, and I don't know, I just see a lot of politics behind that,
0: yeah. <laughs> Yep. Stay tuned. Keep reading. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I have a question. On your website, you list that you have exclusive bonus content if you join the Insiders Club. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I'll give you some of the research. Uh, I'll give yeah. So, people go to ericmikrans and that last name. So it's E R I C M A I K R A N Z. I assume that it'll be it'll be linked off of the off of the page, uh, Philip. Uh, I will give them some of the research that I did uh, into reincarnation. And there's actually a lot of, uh, not a lot, there, there, but there's actually some really killer academic research that's being done out of the University of Virginia. Uh, those guys are actually have been, uh, there's the University of Virginia is sort of unique in that it has a department of personality studies that uh and and it actually goes back there's 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 a doctor there that's heading it up now his name is jim tucker and he's written a lot of books on reincarnation but he actually uh uh, was sort of the the mentee of the grandfather of this research which was another doctor that actually founded this this division at the university of virginia his name was dr ian stevenson and he's done a ton of research both of the gentlemen have done a ton of research into cases of reincarnation that where in 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 which case the 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 facts from a previous life have been proven and it's so it's fascinating research i recommend people go out if they have if they have an interest in that go back and read dr ian stevenson's work read dr jim tucker's work uh it's really it's really very very interesting. Uh, so so it's some of those cases that actually sort of uh, uh, that sort of guided me on developing this world and these characters. And I also have, so far I've only got one. Uh, I will have a second one later. Hidden chapters in the book. So there are a few historical flashbacks that are a little shorter and what i do is i go back and i um i actually create those as full chapters so there's one there's going to be so there's a chapter 7.5 that fits in between chapter 7 and 8 and there will be a chapter i think that it's chapter 18.5 that happens between 18 and 19.
1: That's a great um, idea on getting readers into your into your site and getting them onto your email list. Yeah, so exactly. They can see so, bonus
3: co- co- content. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So, you have to be an insider. And, you know, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is I'm going to send you some emails. And when I have a new book come out, I'm going to ask you to buy it. Uh, and in the interim, I'm going to share with you hidden chapters as I go back and write them. And I'll probably, and, and the other thing that I do is I, I give. Uh, sort of some snip, some snippets from the second book in the series uh, as it's coming together right now. So go to Ericmycrance.com and uh, it should be there on the homepage to sign up for the bonus content.
4: It is for sure. And and is the bonus content uh, the sixty-page uh, origins prequel? Is that is that something? That's going one up? of the things
0: that you can get there as well. Uh, and there is there there is a sixty page origins prequel that talks about the discovery of uh of the story and uh, and, and 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 sort of how the story came to be nice. uh,
4: now um there, there's a, a thing about uh the reincarnationist that is interesting where they um, um and and if this is a spoiler i i will cut it out but uh they 're sterile in, in other words they they can 't have children. And um, I I was curious, for a plot device, that makes things a little more simpler because then there's not competing factions in the future that will demand uh, the money or the the property or or whatever other things that that people would inherit. Um, So I was curious, though family uh, people still for example samus is a character that's married and and they, they could have adopted children for for example people can still adopt children and then they can create um uh you know for like like steve jobs right he has a whole family his parents where he was adopted and whatnot and then he creates this empire and and his the jobs name still lives on because of him even though um he was adopted. So I was curious if that could be an issue in in the these, these reincarnationists, maybe even in a future story where they could have descendants, even if they're not uh DNA related descendants.
0: So they, they they could. Um and I don't exclude that. Uh, and that that actually does happen in in some of the later books where they where they do adopt. The, there is something that we find out near the end of the series of books as to biologically why they are as they are, um, and and there is there is a reason for that. Uh, it actually does make the, the, this, the creation of this story and these timelines a bit easier, um, uh, as, uh, as a writer, but these, you know, a, a lot of people that I know, um, once they have children, they really sort of surrender parts of their own lives and invest them almost exclusively in their children. Now, these characters cannot have children, so in a way, they are forced to invest in their own lives uh, because they know that they will come back and live over and over and over again, which, which sort of skews toward the, the, the ones that live very selfish and hedonistic lives. Uh, but that was, uh, that was purposeful uh, in, in the creation of them, uh, you know, not, not being able to have uh, biological kids.
4: Were you also thinking about, for example, what's. I mean, again, if they write wills and whatnot, especially if they already know who they are, they can plan the money to go to that.
0: To themselves uh, in the future. To
4: themselves in the future through that through the organization. But, you know, for example, like Jim Morris and the, of the doors, he passed away at 25, 26, and, no, 27, I'm sorry. And the rights to all his property went to his parents. Or, for example, um, you know, you know. So, in other words, their siblings can uh, can fight over, or parents can fight over things too. So, I was curious if if you you were thinking all that It was like, okay, I weeded out the the children as a, a problem and ancestors that way. But what happens if if siblings or are, are, in, in this case we know that Evan has parents that live, I think, in uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, somewhere up there, Minnesota. And, Minnesota. I yeah. knew yeah. it was one of those Norwegian-American uh, <laughs> states. And um, so if even though he doesn't necessarily possibly talk to his parents much anymore, they technically could say, um, claim his body and still uh, claim any property and whatnot that he has. Um, and, and I was just curious if you, you were thinking all oh, about those type of things as well, never mind the children.
0: Um, no, I didn't really think about that so much because once you're in the society, and you realize that this becomes a mechanism where you can, you know, to back to the Frederick Henry Hedge quote, right, where you can, you know, inherit your own past and and become your own ancestor and your own heir, in a way. But that's what that's what you know that's what people, excuse me, that's what people choose to do. Yeah, that's true.
4: Yeah. Uh, Barrett, what do you got? So,
1: you know, your books just came out. Yeah. Movie is going to come out in September. Is your publisher going to do another big push at that point? Uh,
0: Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, You know, a a part of the reason that we're we 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 had initially planned to publish the book in conjunction with the movie release when the movie was going to be released in 2020. But obviously, COVID happened. And so the movie got delayed from 2020. It was actually supposed to be out in uh, in three weeks in on memorial day but uh they delayed it again until september 24th but we kept getting such great press and we kept getting such good reviews on the book that they wanted to bring the book out now and and yeah we'll be you know i'll be doing a lot of these interviews through the summer and we'll be ramping up again once the movie trailer's out for infinite and once you know the buzz is building up for people to go and see the movie and honestly, just to be able to go outside and go to the movies, right? I don't know about you guys. You know, I think, you know, I've listened to a couple of your episodes, right? You guys are real cinephiles. You know, I'm really excited to go back to, to the movies. And just, Probably the thing I miss
1: most is going to the movie theater.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just such a, a unique collective experience to watch a good movie, especially something that's really like a good action movie or a good horror movie. They're just better on the big screen. They're better with people around you. There's, there's like this energy in the room that is not replicated in television. Right. Yeah.
4: Um, well, also, yeah. also the a big problem too, is that the movies just aren't being released. Right. I mean, I mean, if yeah. they all did what HBO max did and we were still able to see all the films, that would be great. But because they don't want to do that because they're trying to make money obviously as well by having it at the cinema, everybody loses out because we just can't get to see them. So it's just, that's really the thing that's most unfortunate about the. Well,
0: you know, it's just, it's, uh, I look at it as a delayed gratification, right? You know, I really like for me, uh, I obviously want to see infinite dying to see it, but I really want to see Dune. I really want to see the new version of Dune. Oh Yeah. Uh but you know, geez man, those guys spent, you know, like a you know a fourth of a billion dollars to make it, that it's coming you on know.
4: HBO max too so we, we looked out that's oh, that wow it's still up late. in the air they keep talking about oh, yeah 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 man,
0: I, man. I don't think that that's gonna land there because I mean these guys have to I mean it's a business at the end of the day right and they build these they manufacture these extravaganzas and honestly this is one of the things that Lorenzo de Bonaventura, the, the one of the producers of infinite explained to me when I met him on set was that hey this is like American manufacturing. Right, we build these things here, and we export them all over the world to uh, to have people view them, and we make about ten dollars a piece on this, and they've you know, these are business ventures. They have to make their money back or there's no next version. There's no new series in the, in, you know, new episode in the Bond series. There's no, you know, there's no Guardians of the Galaxy 3 if if they don't actually get butts and seats in theater. So, yeah, it's been a pain, but, you know, I understand the business model and I understand why they do it that way. And because my book has been made into a movie, I'm buying into that right now. <laughs>
1: Good reason too.
0: <laughs>
4: yeah, indeed. Um all right, uh let's see. Um any any other questions that you wanted to bring up, Barrett? I mean we we've kept our guests for an hour and Oh yeah, we've kept them a while. No, I Yeah, think... but but I mean if you if you want to stay a little longer we'll we'll have you, but I, I know you're tired. <laughs> it, it's up to you. Um, um is it all right if we ask maybe one or one or two more questions?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've got, I've got a couple of questions for you guys. Number, number one, did you enjoy the book? Yeah. Uh,
4: all, right, all right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, well, uh, I'll stop. Right, I'll, I'll answer that question. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the book was a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, basically, um, you know, we, we get, uh, bombarded with, uh, a lot of folks, um, to, to review movies or books or whatever. And and so, you know, you only have so much time, especially since we have day jobs and families and, and, and various other things that we do. Um, but obviously knowing that your book was gonna be a movie, Mark Wahlberg, a fellow, uh, a New Englander, um, I was, uh, uh, yeah, we were right on board to check it out, you know? So you already had something all, all above everybody else that, that allowed us to, give you a shot, you know, I mean, not that we're anybody, but again, we we just have so much little time, and so many things that we can review. Uh, But yeah, so um, I I, enjoyed the book a real lot. Uh, I I think, uh, as Barrett said, uh, the the best part of the book was, um, and probably the most fun thing for an author, I would think, was writing the little vignettes of um, historical fiction. And I don't necessarily mean historical uh, because it's it's a period piece, but just be able to uh, write little um, scenarios that are specifically cool, exciting, interesting, um, almost like little short stories within a giant novel. So, you, you know, you get your whole novel and you, you're writing what you want to write to get to the beginning to the end, but you can go, you know what? Uh, this, this it's fun because I can actually write a little short story in the middle about World War One, or a little short story about a duel that takes place in in uh, mi- middle age France, and you know, and on and on. So I, I felt that was really really cool, and um, so those parts I, I kind of enjoyed a, a whole lot. Um, and then you know, you, you had some of the other interesting things, not necessarily the the I guess the mystical realism of reincarnation and and uh how you do it say versus how we've seen it in um other other fiction or movies but also um you have the thriller aspect because of a heist and um and things like that so oh and then you have the underground cult too you know and so it it it's uh, it was really really a a good book and and uh the the publicist paper that I got that says that it is a good read for not just for science fiction or fantasy or mystical realism, but, but for almost anybody, because it has so many different kinds of genres in it. It's uh so yeah, I, I enjoyed it a whole lot. Barrett, what about you? Yeah, it
1: was really enjoyable. I really liked the concept. Um, it hooked me in pretty quickly. Um, it's the, the glass blowing part. I really liked. I just, I, I found that really fascinating. And then the historical research you did really shows um, cause it made me want to go and, get on Wikipedia or wherever and find out about some of these things and see if they were historical or not and see how well researched it was, you know? Um, and then I like that it turns eventually into a heist, you know, cause that's always fun to do. Um, it definitely didn't go where I expected it to. And I am glad to hear that there's going to be another book so I can read more about this character.
0: Yeah, awesome. Uh, I'm glad to hear that, guys. Uh I appreciate I appreciate you reading it and I appreciate you having me on on dark discussions. This has been this has been a lot of fun.
4: Great. Dude, dude. Yeah, Great. any other questions you you have about us cuz uh, yeah, that's a fair point. Um like uh, an artist wants to hear what people um, think um, anything else that you wanted to hear? Are- no, I mean,
0: yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. I mean, you guys, you're, you're, you know, from 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 the episodes that I've listened to, you know, your podcast is focused around um, around entertainment, right? Movies, uh, books. And so, you know, what do you guys, you know, uh, you know, you guys are entertainment professionals, right? You guys are like a good judge of what, uh, you know, of what is compelling entertainment. And, uh, it's so I wanted to get your opinion on that. Thanks guys.
4: Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's, that's fair. And, and again, uh, yeah, we, we, we try to, uh, uh, get to read or, or review movies that, are 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 good um, because again we, we, we don't we're, we're you know you can hear so many different podcasts or or just real reviewers people that are actually get paid for reviewing and they just rip people to shreds and stuff and and we we're, we're, we're here we're not here to do that we're here more to let people know because some of our listeners have, have contacted us in the past and said that we, they love our show because we let them know about good things that they wouldn't know about otherwise and and so why let them know about crappy stuff and instead we, we want to let them know about good stuff and and not that that they wouldn't know about your book because it's becoming a movie and people may notice that oh i just found out this is a source material to this i may want to go read that um at least now um you know we we let some folks know about it and and we have a good many people who trust our opinion. So we do yeah. rip some things to shred
1: uh, <laughs> shred. Yeah. Um, but we don't review the people that are in it if we do that.
4: Uh, <laughs> yeah. The stand miniseries recently, uh, uh, sorry, uh, for one, horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. And, and we went in blind, so that that and and we we said we were going to do a podcast on it, going in blind, and then it was like, oh no, what did we do? We did the full.
1: We did the full thing. We did his book, then we did the miniseries, then we did the original miniseries.
4: So yeah, the, the, so the book was good, the original miniseries, but yeah, the, the new one was not too good. <laughs> so. So we, we did bond somebody for that, yeah. And and now, uh, before we let you go, uh, why don't you let folks know about all the websites again. I know there's a website about the book. There's a website that uh, is just for you, and maybe where people can find you on social media. Anything else you want to promote, you let us know right now so the listeners can go out and, and, and check it out. And again, we're going to put it in the liner notes for all the episode so folks who uh, forget it or don't write it down, you can just go to the darkdiscussions.com and and, and um, link it right there.
0: Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Philip. Yeah, the main the main one is the ericmycrans.com. If you go there, you'll be able to, you know it'll direct you to buying links for the book. You can buy it obviously on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, but you can also buy it on bookshop.org, uh, which directs you to uh, indie bookstores. Uh, it's also uh, part of the IndieBound Network, so you can uh, find out your local indie bookstore that's selling it Um, and you can sign up there for the insiders newsletter that will give you the exclusive content and bear it. The, ch- the hidden chapter seven point five is about uh Poppy's experience on Murano, blowing glass and making oh, enough cool. of the artifacts to be able to leave the island. In the first, I already point. signed so, up.
4: I already signed up for the what, what Was was Poppy your favorite character? I bet you. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah.
0: She, it, she's she ends up being everybody's favorite character.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: She's just uh yeah. She's she, she's the most fun to write. Uh. Uh. And and but but. We get to know new ones in book two.
4: I, I also liked her, uh, the one, I forget the character's name, but she's the very short woman that shoots. Ramsey. Of, yeah, 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 Ramsey. Yeah, yeah Ramsey. I, I like Ramsey a lot, too. Yeah. We get to see a lot
0: more of her in book two. Nice. Very good. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, so stay in touch with me at uh, at uh, ericmycrance.com and get on the insiders list. I send out an I send out a newsletter like every other month that you know gives updates on where I'm doing on the second book. Every once in a while, I'll throw like some extra content, like a hidden chapter, at you as a reader, uh, or some piece of research that I've done, and you guys will be able to get uh, exclusive things ahead of the launch of the second book. Um, I'm on Facebook, I post there. Uh, I'm on Twitter, I post there, and I'm on Instagram as well. I'll just look for uh, D Period. Eric Mykrantz, M-A-I-K-R-E-N-Z. It's a very unique name. I'm the only one, and uh, and then you know, uh, but but got must readers must join the insiders newsletter to get the really good stuff and the advanced stuff. All right,
4: very good. And, and uh, My, Mykrantz, is that a, a Polish name, German name? What German name. Oh, very good. Very good. Yep. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, all right sounds good so uh uh we're we're, we're definitely going to be doing an episode reviewing the movie when that comes out um so i don't know if if uh, we could get you. awesome back. yeah have me um, back i'd love
0: to i'd love to join dark discussions again and uh and we'll, yeah that'd be we'll, awesome we'll review the movie together
4: all right let's do that yeah, yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll uh get a hold of you and uh uh, I guess October because it comes out in September, and, yeah. and see if you, you come on and uh, and we can we can uh, have you discuss a little bit of the movie too. So that'd be great. So appreciate it. And uh, yeah, everybody should uh, uh, check out the book. Found wherever books are sold. Like you said, you can get the links directly from your website, bring you right to uh, where you can buy it right online. And you don't even have to leave your, your- house to to get a copy of it which is great yeah
0: so. absolutely All right. hey thanks guys it's been a real pleasure to uh to meet you and to speak with you and thanks for uh everybody that's listening out there in the dark discussions world it's been great thanks for a great
1: book and a inspiring story oh and, and a
0: great
4: interview that you yeah. fantastic yeah
0: <laughs> Appreciate awesome it. thanks guys okay all right hey thanks man we'll t- we'll talk in october thanks for having me right. on guys
4: absolutely man all right good. All right, so I'll email you uh, uh, late October. Or, I mean, mid October. So. Okay. All right. So, all right Thanks, bye-bye. guys. Bye. Okay. Ciao. Bye. All right, so Eric just uh, left, and uh, it was great to have him on. appreciate that he came on. Uh, how we found out about the book, uh, for, because people are saying, you know, what, what happened? How did we get it? Well, basically, uh, uh, his uh, publicist uh, contacted us uh, through email. I'm not sure how they found out about us or found us, um, and asked if uh, we wanted to maybe interview uh, Eric. And, uh, you know, we so I read we read a little bit and found out that it was being the movie. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, that's pretty impressive. So uh, we said, yeah, we'll have him on. But uh, we want to read the book before we have him on. So uh, we, she sent us copies of the book. We read the book, and uh, we brought him on. So it, he didn't even know because he's been interviewed by so many different people. Some people read the book. Some haven't. Uh, we did. And so we were able to ask uh, some more interesting questions, I, I, I bet, than uh, those who haven't. Uh, so that's how we, we, we uh, found Eric. Um, and uh so it was great to have him on uh so uh barrett what was your your thoughts on on the interview and and the book and all that other good stuff um it was a great
1: interview Uh, i enjoyed the book a lot and interviewing him was a lot of fun um it was just seeing uh some of his methods that he used um to get this made into a movie were quite interesting stories in themselves so um he's definitely an interesting guy and i suggest reading the book checking it out before you before the movie comes out and uh it's enjoyable you like it
4: yeah yeah Uh, i noticed uh uh for folks that are curious you can get um copies of the book for around 10 bucks uh it's a paperback version um also you can get kindle which is a couple of dollars cheaper like eight or, or or a nook eight or whatever uh also uh as he mentioned uh there's all a bunch of um extras uh one of them uh you actually i've i, I noticed right here the reincarnation papers origins prequel 60 pages you can get for free um from his website uh never mind uh general bookstores, you can get for free as well as a, as a, um, digital copy. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, so, um, I would, yeah, recommend it. Uh, I, I enjoyed it as well. Uh, any other thoughts, uh, you, you looking forward to excited to see the movie? I'm really curious about the
1: movie and, you know, it's got Mark Wahlberg who's usually in fun action flicks. So, you know, it should be good. <laughs>
4: Yeah, yeah. Also, Dylan O'Brien's in it, too, uh, from uh, The Maze and and Love and Monsters. Uh, So uh, he's one of those big up-and-coming actors as well. And Uh, Antoine
1: Fuqua is the one directing it. So, I mean, (laughs) it's hard to go wrong.
4: (laughs) Yep, yep, exactly. A few other... uh, decent character actors in the film as well uh the film hasn't been screened at all yet uh for critics and again we're we're talking six months in advance anyway uh but it hasn't done festivals either so there's no like leaked reviews yet um so uh, if you go to rotten tomatoes um there there's nothing It, it says there are no critic reviews yet for infinite keep checking rotten tomatoes for updates so um yeah, yeah, so there this is a uh, um one of those big films that they didn't have to go to uh, um, uh you know co- conventions and, and stuff and and also um a lot of times they force people to uh not release their reviews until the very day of the release. Yeah, they have right? a blackout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Even even if it is at a festival, it's the same thing, so uh, yeah, I yeah, think it's one different. of my favorite
1: parts of this interview was just talking to him about his process of getting the book to that point, you know, where it was made into a movie. I think it's 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 good for people that are trying to get into the business to hear these things, to know what's possible yeah. and how you can do things.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, this it, it's not I, I mean, I don't want to say it's easy to write a book, but uh, or even write short stories, but. Anybody technically can do that. It, whether it's good or not, that's a different story. The problem is, how do you get noticed? And how do you have people find you? Because for every Stephen King, there's probably a handful of others that were as good as him that just didn't have that lucky break. Um, while there's, uh, for every Stephen King, there's a, there's a bunch that are as popular as him that stink, but because they did have a lucky break. And so um to hear how he was able to get his book noticed um is pretty impressive and 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 to be honest it's it's funny too right because it it yeah. made it a, a movie a major motion picture and it says in the the publicist notes uh for um like a, a six of a billion dollars basically because you know it was a 160 million dollar picture and yet he still didn't get it doesn't have it published by one of the big five right, right. Yeah, to go, yeah so joe joe publishing and and that's kind of interesting um that that that's the case so so it just shows you how how the whole business works because you know oh well, and you know, how it's changed yeah right it right, used to be you
1: would have never gotten a movie you know from an indie published book i mean it's
4: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, like the Martian, right. That was another one that uh, was similar to this, where it, it, it it was like one of those books that, that wasn't like, I think he self published it or something. And, And then, then someone saw it, they made it published it and then boom it became a movie i mentioned daniel suarez demon uh d-a-e-m-o-n uh his book he self-published it someone started and then one of the big five publishers published it and and now he's you know a new york times bestseller um and, yeah it's just it's just crazy how, how, how these things work and uh yeah he he was able to like you said crowdfunding and 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 then the, the gimmick of if you help me i'll give you 10,000 dollars once i signed the 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 thing you know and, and sure enough someone helped him you know and and, got, and and he he got it uh into a movie so that's great so yeah you know and, and, and he mentioned the book is 2009 right so that's 11 uh no 12 years that you know and and only now that people have interest in it he's now able to get sequels yeah. yeah he's gonna he's gonna write sequels you know whether well, they he's, become, probably who, been, he's probably been working on them for
1: a while but not you know waiting to see that this would get
4: yeah well and, and that's that's a smart thing because i know a lot of writers uh you're in a writer's group so i've been in writers groups uh where people are writing manuscripts and then they start a manuscript for the pot too and It's like you, and you, you scratch your head he's saying you're wasting your time you, because if the first one never makes it, no one's going to read ever the others. You should always write standalone stories until you make it big, and then write the sequels if you make it big, because otherwise you're just wasting your time well and now so though now though
1: they're saying that you want something that's going to continue because you want your
4: commodity. You want something oh, well, that people well, are going to want to buy and buy. I I didn't say that. I said, don't write the second one right, until the first have one the makes ideas. big. So so make right. a bunch of standalones that could go off and be sequels. Yeah. You know? So so you write book the thriller, then write the mystery, and then write the horror. And if one of them makes it, then you can write part two of that one that made it. You know, right. because you don't want to make the part two of the thriller, and then no one's ever going to buy the first one, and then the second one's just it's like fitting, yeah, but it's continuation. yeah yeah yeah. so it's kind of interesting so i bet you that's you know why he's the the ones that he was sitting on are now gonna start um coming out like he said 2022 he said maybe 2021 late 2022 i don't know something like that so sounds
1: like he has a pretty good idea of where he wants to go
4: with it indeed indeed yeah so uh, all right so um yeah so if uh folks are um, have any questions uh, and give their thoughts on, on, on what we talked about tonight? Uh, DarkDiscussions at AOL.com. Uh, that's where you can find us. Uh, the website is darkdiscussions.com, uh, which is we're part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is a website that is updated constantly uh, with various r- release notices, reviews, um, columns, uh, over 30 podcasts on the network. Uh, So, uh, if you follow movie and genre and entertainment news, uh, check it out all the time. We're also on Dark Discussions' Facebook group page, so just search for that. Um, And um, you can also email us directly through uh, the Contact Us form on darkdiscussions.com. And then, of course, uh, you can donate to the Patreon, where if you donate to Patreon, for every $5 that you donate, there's a chance that we will review a movie of you your choice so if you donate $15 in the m- month of uh well it's May so month of May uh you could choose three different films so you could choose uh Scream you could uh choose um uh Tomb Raider you could choose uh, um uh Go ship, or you could just choose go ship three times, and uh, what happens is it's put into a figurative hat, and at the end of the quarter we pick randomly, and your film will be chosen. We will do an episode. Uh, any help would be uh, great because com and the entire network are free we do not charge and we only make money if any money through donations for you by you and that money isn't even a profit because it pays for our service fees such as uh our web hosting and all that um so yeah that's uh pretty much that um and i guess that's pretty much it for the episode tonight so uh barrett why don't you leave us up Thanks for
1: joining us on darkdiscussions.com. Listen to us every day to find something new.
3: Resurrection, I'm alive. Put me in a box like I'm paralyzed. You're gonna pay for what you stole. I'm alive, I'm alive. Thought I'm gone, but I'm coming back. You know I'm quick like a heart attack. I'm taking back the throne. I'm alive, I'm alive
2: Why oh why am I the only one who sees it? The devil's in the details, everything's strategic I need holy water, I need holy spirit can lay and ride, I resurrect like Jesus Run up like I've been at this, go 100% with it Jump on a jet and deliver a message to enemies, haters and nemesis And if I miss, I'm coming back, made a promise to finish this I had the power to finish that's only one of the benefits That's why the hummers and motorcades do 100 through tunnels into the bridge They should be under my tutelage, cause with a hammer I'm too legit Only lose if you choose to bury the truth and silence the root of it I can't be silent, I'm ruthless, got the potential to prove it why, oh, why am I the only one who sees it? The devil's in the details, everything's strategic. I need holy water, I need holy spirit. You can lay on right i resurrect like Jesus. I'm still living, I'm still getting it, I'm still putting in work. I'm still repping, got my weapon, and I hit them where it hurts. I'm still seven steps ahead of heaven, heavily immersed. Shotty in the Chevy, lady got the me in the purse. I'm still living, I'm still getting it, I'm still putting in work. I'm still repping, got my weapon. Still seven steps ahead of heaven, heaven in the Chevy lady Got the Timmy in the purse
3: Resurrection, I'm alive Put me in a box like I'm paralyzed You're gonna pay for what you stole I'm alive, I'm alive Thought I'm gone but I'm coming back You know I'm quick like a heart attack I'm taking back the throne I'm alive
2: if I'm alive. I rest and like Jesus. Respiratory pressure, keep my breath normal and chest. My heart is one blooded and less. Remind ourselves I can attest the enemy seek to destroy every woman, mammal, and boy. North and south of Equator, they mobilize the and deploy. No disguise to protect you, there's no such hiding place. I retraced all of my steps, and all I found was a diamond and toy. Metal objects to shatter, thread broken glass in a pattern on open fields. We never yield on this side of the war. You got me once, I come again. I caught your bluff, you run again. You run again, you run again, you run again. Why Why am I the only one who sees it? The devil's in the details, everything strategic. I need holy water, I need holy spirit. You can lay and ride, I resurrect like you.
3: Direction. I'm alive. Put me in a box like I'm paralyzed. You're gonna pay for what you stole. I'm alive, I'm alive. Thought I'm gone but I'm coming back. You know I'm quick like a heart attack. I'm taking back the throne. I'm alive, I'm alive.